radishes, baby wipes, vinyl records, you name it. At Walmart, you can save on almost anything. Now you can save more time by making cash deposits and withdrawals right at checkout. $3.74 service fee and limits apply. Green dot NMLS number 914924 and 908-739. And that's something that just happened by accident, but now I, I can't go back now. This is Chef Gabriel. I'm Gabriel Rucker, and I'm the chef owner of Le Pigeon and Canard restaurants in Portland, Oregon. Cooking at home can be tricky, but Chef Streams is bringing world-renowned restaurant chefs into your home kitchen with pro tips and culinary techniques, like this one from Chef Gabriel, the James Beard Award-winning chef in Portland, Oregon. One of the things that I've discovered about myself over quarantine is that I knew that mise en place was important, but when I'm cooking at home, having these really like kind of cute, original ceramic pieces to put all my ingredients in and have it be nice and organized on my counter makes me feel better about what I'm doing and it makes it more enjoyable. And so that's something that I really appreciated is like the kind of the cute factor of cooking at home. With an annual membership to ChefStreams, you have access to weekly interactive live stream experiences where you cook a multi-course meal with your favorite chefs. Plus, members get access to a library of over 30 past classes available on demand. And there are exclusive deals from cooking-related brands like Tillet, Made in Cookware, and Messermeister, which is so awesome. We've worked out a special discount on membership for Copper and Heat listeners that will save you 40% off the standard membership rate. So you can get an annual membership for $99 instead of the usual $165. To learn more about Chef Streams and take advantage of this special offer, go to chefstreams.com and enter the invite code COPPER when you request a membership invitation. Rules are good, they're great for structure. And what I tend to do with them, like recipes, is look at them and choose what works for me. It's really about understanding your value system, you know, what's what's important to you, your, your own integrity, your own values, and your own purpose, and trying not to ever let too much get in the way with that. You're listening to Copper and Heat, the podcast exploring the unspoken rules and traditions of restaurants. I'm Katie Osuna. This is the last theme in our third season, Pre-Shift, getting you tips, tools, and resources to navigate the challenges of working in hospitality. In this last theme, we have three episodes, each with a different entrepreneur talking about the challenges that they faced in starting their own thing, and how they faced those challenges. In this Pre-Shift, we're talking to Zoya Junya about how she found her niche and followed her purpose as she built her business. My name is Zoe Ajonia, and I am um, in this order, not necessarily. <laughs> I'm a chef, a writer, a food justice activist. I'm a human. I'm a lesbian, a mixed race, black woman um, who speaks her mind. <laughs> All of those things. I'm also married, ladies. <laughs> I'm the founder of Zoe's Ghana Kitchen, which is... Uh, a brand, um, a food brand that has been celebrating and evangelizing, I might go so far as to say, um, on the topic of West African um, food, flavors and ingredients as a means of access or sharing the culture um, of West Africa with a, a larger vision of bringing African food to the masses and 
having this kind of African food revolution where people get to get to play and interact with um, food from across the continent. But my specific lens is Ghana because I'm half Ghanaian. My dad's Ghanaian. My mum's Irish. Um, anyway, Ghana Kitchen. So it's Ghana Kitchen. But I came to food, you know, in my 30s and quite by accident with zero intention. Um, but in 2010, so circuit break everything before because, you know, my career has been wild west, <laughs> to say the least. I have done many, many different things in my life from PR, marketing, experiential production, uh, TV executive, TV video company, managed a band. I mean, I've done all sorts. I think the key theme up until I got into food was that I didn't like working for other people. So I, I already had quite a few moderate, you know, very small micro businesses um, that, you know, didn't set me on fire, but, you know, they made me money or whatever. So in 2010, I had spent three or four glorious months traveling around the States and using up every single penny of my savings. And when I got back to London, I live in East London, I live in Hackneywick, and this new apartment, which is where I live now, was, you know, this white box, just a big white empty space, no bedrooms, no kitchen, no nada, nothing. So it's, you know, those live work kind of cool spaces that you turn into a home, right? Yeah. Um, and it was the summer of 2010. And in that year, it was Hackney Wicked Arts Festival. So we used to have a very, very strong artist-led community here. And everybody was an artist, photographer, writer, whatever. And for that weekend, uh, everybody would open up their studios, their live workspaces. And my live workspace um, was being used as an art gallery, a video gallery. And then I saw an opportunity because I'm that entrepreneur, right? Who just doesn't want to work for anybody else, make my own money. So my friends made a sign saying Zoe's famous peanut butter soup. Obviously not famous to anybody apart from me and them because I used to cook it for them all the time. It was my favourite comfort dish from childhood. And essentially, you know, groundnut soup, which is the, the mother dish, right, is this, it's pretty ubiquitous across West Africa, but it's this really beautiful, piquant, spicy, savoury, sweet, hot, juicy mess of peanut <laughs> flavour. Um, it's, it's just incredible. And the smell is incredible. I knew these things. And the smell drew people in. And before I knew it, I had this kind of party outside my front door and it was very, very busy, kept selling out. The first year, she just did it outside of her apartment. The second year, she turned her living room into a restaurant and people went wild for it. People were coming in and it was rammed. I think we did, I don't know, thousands of covers over that weekend. And people were coming in and wanting to book for the Wednesday, book for the Saturday, book for the Sunday, book for a month from now. And I was like, no, guys, this is my living room. Anyway, I, so I just collected email addresses because I was having fun, you know. I collected email addresses and I said, you know, if I do this again, I'll let you know. And what happened, and still I was fighting it. I was like, mm, you know, it's just a bit of fun on the side. Um, and I was about to start my MA in creative writing at Goldsmiths. And that was really all I cared about. I, I wanted to spend all of my time reading and writing and doing very little else. And so this little project, Ghana Kitchen is what we called it in 2011, um, became like a side hustle. It became a way for me to, to fund myself through the MA. So it, it wasn't really about, I was just opportunistic. You know, those people, they must get hungry at some point during the day. Maybe they'll eat my food. <laughs> so that's how it started. It was just on taking an opportunity. And then it was like looking at the opportunity and examining what, like, what was the problem? 
And it wasn't until 2012, and I was well into the MA, and I was getting, like, basically, it grew very organically, very quickly, through blogs, then press, and then before I knew it, I was in the evening standard. Whilst I was doing my MA, you know, being lauded for funding myself through my MA with this Ghana kitchen. So with this popularity, she started doing more events and pop-ups, all while still trying to do school, until she decided she needed to do it full-time. And it wasn't until the, towards the end of my MA that my tutor said to me, you know, have you thought about taking that part seriously? Like maybe there's, maybe there's something that can come from the process. Because there was a lot of different things. I was writing a memoir about my dad and my relationship with my dad. A big obvious, obvious elephant in the room was like my relationship with Ghana. And then there was this other sort of synchro destiny moment of me actually then starting to cook the food from Ghana and none of it felt like on purpose you know but everything just started slotting together like the universe was like aha 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 and it pushed me out and (laughs) basically this is a thing you need to work out what it is why it needs to exist and get on with it so that's what I did. How was she able to gain so much traction? because she was doing something that not many others were. So a lot of people didn't even know where Ghana was on a map. Like, wow. Um, and they definitely didn't have a relationship or any knowledge of the food and ingredients. So that's, you know, suddenly there was this thing planted in my subconscious. So that's really weird. Like why people don't um, have a relationship or know anything about this. I sat down and I thought about what the problem was. And the problem was, you know, there was a lot of issues there. There's like, there was racism in the lens of food, full stop. There was um, a lack of opportunity for people because people, the many hundreds of restaurants that did exist were very much closeted in the community. There were places where people were cooking for each other, not for anybody else. And it was like nostalgia, it was home. You know, okay, so Ghanaians are cooking for Ghanaians in, in this restaurant at Gold Coast, right? And Nigerians are cooking for Nigerians at the say Echo or 805. And... Congolese are cooking for Congolese over there. These are there's nothing wrong with any of that, right? But for that to be happening for like 50, 60, 70 years in this country and for it not to have transferred over, kind of that was the issue. So what's going on there? Because, you know, I cannot have been the first person. <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe I'm that special. I cannot have been the first person to want to um, you know, make, be that bridge, bring bring it to, together, you know. Well, actually, maybe I was one of the few, because let's face it, it was very niche. <laughs> it did quite well. So, uh. so all I did was combine what I knew of modern contemporary dining <clears throat> and merge it with what I knew that I loved about Ghanaian food. And Zoe's Ghana Kitchen was born. Zoe's big thing is finding purpose in her work and sticking to it. She has a lot of ideas and lots of projects. So how does she go about doing these things? I get asked a lot to do talks for like, um, you know, young entrepreneurs and things like that. And more often than not, you know, what I tell them will be completely opposite to what the course leader is telling them to do. (laughs) Not completely opposite, but a different way there's a different there's not you know there's nothing has to be rigid you know and what I want to encourage young entrepreneurs and uh, or in a uh, freelancers or whatever it's like you know rules are good they're great for structure and what I tend to do with them like recipes is look at them 
and choose what works for me. It's like there's this, you know, what, what it's really about understanding your value system. You know, what's what's important to you, your, your own integrity, your own values and your own purpose and trying not to ever let too much get in the way with that, in, of that. And that includes like who you surround yourself with, who you do business with, right? So, so what I've done is I've built this routine, I guess, where I carve out a section of the day for myself. So from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. is the time in which I will meditate. I'll do my morning pages. I do, you know, I set affirmations. I do my gratitudes and probably I'll meditate from anywhere between 20 to 40 to 60 minutes, depending. But really, that is just, that's time that's sectioned off for me, away from the world. Nobody's going to talk to me. Nobody's going to disturb me. And that's for me to just get centered with myself, check in with myself. How are you doing? Are you okay? Do you feel good? Is that like aligning with what you want? And this is the practice that's really hard to, to do every day, but is essential to do every day, is to have that time with yourself just to make sure you're on course. Because, you know, especially in the restaurant and hospitality game, my experience was that I went, as soon as I got any kind of, I don't know, what would you call it? Maybe status, I don't know if that's the right word, but some recognition as someone, right, who cooks, um, it then shifted my mind, right, into this other place of, oh, right, so now in this food world, right, oh, the food industry, oh, God, what are they doing? Do I need to be doing that? Uh, oh, God. Oh, I think I'm supposed to open a restaurant. I don't know. You know, and suddenly I got on this other, somebody else's tailcoat, somebody else's idea of my dream life. Um, you know, I had an agent who was trying to make me open a chain of Pan-African restaurants up and down the country when I hadn't even... <laughs> published my book yet it's like can we just make this business a success first or do you know what I mean so you can get caught up in other people's versions of your truth so it's really important to to know what that truth is and to have a regular check-in with yourself and be like if I do here are the opportunities for the day here are the opportunities for the week do these things take me the way I want to be going does that take me to my final destination or might it because you don't always know definitely but the thing is, is that, but do I feel good about going on that part of the journey? Does it, does it like light up some other part of me? Is it interesting some other thing? You know, is it supporting me on my overall growth? Mm, cool. Let's do that then. That's fine. If it's not, mm, ditch that, cancel that. Mm, I've done a lot of that this year. I've been like, mm, no, I'm not going to do that actually. At one point, she asked what my goals and plans are for Copper and Heat. And this is what happened. This is something that I am talking to my partner in the podcast a lot about because we're trying to grow it beyond just one show. We want to do some like other production services and work with other people to make shows around food. And Can I give you, just hearing you speak just now, I'm going to give you one piece of advice. Don't say trying. So you are. So always speak in the present moment about what you're doing next because you need to be as if. You need to be in a mindset of, yeah, this shit's happening. I'm going to make it happen. And they don't even worry about the detail. Okay. So what your sentence should have said was, Zoe, you know what I'm going to do next year? We are in the process of rolling out an amazing podcast series. We've got some amazing sponsors lined up. Um, and, you know, we don't have all the hosts yet. We haven't worked out the format, but it's just going to be amazing. And I'm so excited about it. Will you come on? 
when we launch and I'll be like, yeah, I'm there. I can't wait. And, but the difference is you saying, oh, I'm trying to do this. And it's like, oh God, doesn't sound like you're going to get very far. <laughs> do you know what I, mean? <laughs> I hate to be mean, but it, it, you, you have to have um, the confidence and the belief in yourself that it is going to happen. And as long as you have that, the universe sends it to you without you even realizing like much faster. It's, it's a mindset thing. People are scared to fail because we're taught from, even at school, right? In fact, that's where we're taught it first, is that failure is bad. Like, and the word failure is used in this kind of oppressive um, way, right? But, and we count failures more than we count successes, always, as a society. Um, we've been taught to do that. The truth is, though, failure is just the process of learning, and growing that's all it is and you kind of need to be doing that otherwise you're not evolving and if you're not evolving you're not going to make your situation better and if you're not going to make your situation better then who the hell can you possibly help you know so failure has just become for me part of the course you know and it's um, it's kind of built into my thinking now I'm almost failing on purpose because through the failing <laughs> some little cool idea always comes up or some other connection or some you just don't know where the gifts are going to come from, you know. Take it from Zoe. Failure is not a bad thing. It's how we learn and grow. So have confidence and be bold. Spend the time with yourself to really consider if the projects or opportunities coming your way vibe with your purpose and find creative ways to make that happen. We'll talk more about that in our next and final episode with the folks from Cocina del Corazón in Oakland. Um, yeah, Zoe Adjonia. So at Zoe Adjonia, spell A D J O N Y O H uh, on Instagram and pretty much everywhere else, really. But I don't, I try not to use Twitter because I get pretty angry on there. It's a really negative cesspit. I don't like it. Um, and then honestly, I don't like Facebook very much. So I really kind of only use IG right now. Um, and then also at Ghana Kitchen and at Black Book underscore 2020. And the website, zoesgarnerkitchen.co.uk and um, <clears throat> blackbook-global.com. Yeah. Uh, that's that's all of me. My places. Oh, and my cookbook. Obviously, please go and buy that cookbook. It is great. We will link to all of Zoe's awesome projects in the show notes, so please go check her out. If you haven't already done it, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. You can also find us on various social channels at Copper and Heat. And please, please share us with a friend. We're wrapping up this season in the next few episodes, so now would be a great time to go back and listen to some of our other episodes and let us know what you'd like to hear in season four. Copper and Heat is a member of the One Star Podcast Network, the first podcast network dedicated to representing voices and stories from the service industry, with shows created by service industry workers. Check out our website, onestarpodcastnetwork.com, to learn more about the other shows. Pre-Shift, the third season of Copper and Heat, is produced by me, Katie Osuna. Our story editor is Rachel Palmer. Our sound engineer and composer is Ricardo Osuna. Thank you so much for listening. 